Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Coach Paula. Hello there, Mr. Roberts. Oh, husband of mine. It's been another busy week. Yeah, but we got in the pool this afternoon, just the two of us. After you mowed the grass and I trimmed some unwanted... Tree limbs. Tree limbs and trees so that the trees that we want to keep will be more healthy. So I've gotten a little bit lazy in my mowing strategy. I haven't noticed. I think you have. So one week I will just mow and then the next week I will weed eat and mow. And oftentimes on that week I'll say, hey, you want to mow while I weed eat? But today was a mow and weed eat day and I thought to myself, self, get out there and weed eat and then you can mow. So I did. And about the time I was finishing up mowing, you got off work and you got the leaf blower out and took care of cleaning off the patios, driveways, and sidewalks. I noticed a few weeks ago that I was doing leaf blowing duties and I missed one of our sidewalks. Did you notice that? Was it the one that goes by the side of the house? No, the one that goes to the entrance of the neighborhood. I Noticed it the next morning when I went for a walk or a jog that there was grass everywhere. So, and it was wet from our sprinkler system. Did you rectify the situation? It is rectified now. That would be a no. <laughs> so we live on a corner lot and have a ton of weed eating because I use the weed eater to edge around the sidewalk and the street. And then, of course, we have all the fencing around the pool. And you do a fine job. It's an art. It's an acquired skill more than anything else. You did it once, and you have not acquired the method yet, so I just do it because if it's not held just right, it kind of just really roughens up the edges, doesn't it? (laughs) I'm fine with you continuing to do that. It wasn't one of those deals where you like, hmm, I just won't do this very well, and then I won't have to do it. That was not the case. (laughs) No, I didn't think so. So anyway, today was a busy day. I went and checked on my mom, and she's in memory care. She's in stage, late stage six of Alzheimer's. How many stages are there? Seven, but you never know how long a stage lasts. Like, she could be in stage six for another 10 years. I mean, you just don't ever know. So, but anyway, she was not with the rest of the residents. I got there around lunchtime. And all the residents were eating something that looked pretty good. I don't know what kind of meat it was, but it looked good. And mashed potatoes and green beans and bread. Mystery meat? I don't think it was mystery meat. I just didn't go over and gawk at their food. So I'm guessing it was roast or some sort of steak. I don't know what it was. Anyway, my mom was nowhere to be seen. And her sidekick there, she has a buddy that has latched onto her 
And I think the attachment is more on the part of the other resident, but this resident really thinks she's mom's bodyguard, I think. Anyway, those two are nowhere to be found. And the manager of memory care came around and saw me. And she said, well, your mom is in. And she named me the resident in her room. And she's eating her cheeseburger and french fries. So <laughs> they pretty much bring mom a cheeseburger and french fries for every meal. Because otherwise she just turns up her nose. Even though I thought the food looked very good. So mom was sitting in the other resident's room eating her burger. And the other resident was just standing there. Watching over the situation. Being a bodyguard. Being a bodyguard. And the other resident is usually really excited to see me. And today was not the case. So she was not having a good day. But anyway, I just try to meet them where they are and agree with everything they say. And I had brought mom a new hairbrush. And the other resident liked the hairbrush. So I think I inadvertently brought the other resident a new hairbrush. Which is fine. So anyway, the mom seems to be doing well. Care seems to be going a little bit better, which is good. So other than that, practiced violin today and had my violin lesson, for which you made a good analogy today. I uh, do a pretty good job practicing my new working piece, but I've been skipping the etudes and scales and position changing drills and those types of things because I really just want to get to the meat of what I think shows the most progress is learning and completing the next piece and you started comparing that to my running where I complete all my workouts but if I skip my strength training and my flexibility work and my foam rolling I'm really missing some opportunities to build the base that I need. Fundamentals. Yeah. So I took that really well and was trying to process that. And then I go back to practice my violin and I pick it up. And guess what I did? (laughs) What you have been doing, which you feel like gives you the impression of improvement. Yeah. So I skipped right over the scales and the finger agility exercises and the two drill books, and I went straight to the working piece. So I have decided tomorrow's a new day, and I'm not even going to allow myself to do the real work, what I consider the real workout, until I do the basics. I will say I've gotten better at that with running. Used to, I just hit the pavement running, and now I do a lot better job doing my strength exercises. Yeah, you've got a pretty good routine. Yeah, my routine is in no way as comprehensive as yours. You've been more healthy than me. But I might want to be a little bit more diligent in my strength training. It's a good thing. Strength training is good for your fitness. It's good for your bones. helps ward off the soft tissue injuries. It's a good thing. Yeah, so I pretty much have listed everything I did in my day-to-day, and I'm thinking, wow, that really took the whole day. So, Well, I mean, I didn't mention that I got up and, well, I mean, I do my daily Bible reading, which that doesn't take hours. I usually take, I don't know, it was about 20 minutes this morning that I did my strength training, and I met Kelly, and we ran an easy three miles today, and then all the other things that I already mentioned. Let me tell you 
about what's been going on with me. So the last several weeks, three or four weeks, I've been highly motivated. I've been doing swimming and biking and running and strength training and physical therapy, all the things. Well, this past weekend, I just started feeling run down a little bit. So I, I cut a workout short on Saturday. I went to a local campground that has a swimming lake. And I've had conversations with the owner before. And the owner has been agreeable to let me do open water swimming there. And I intended on swimming with a buddy. But the buddy had to back out the night before. But I decided to... I had to back out for a very good cause. Family first. Yeah. I decided to go to the lake anyway, and I swam by myself. No lifeguards, no supervision, but I did try to stay in the most shallow part of the lake, and I had a flotation device connected around my waist for safety and visibility, and I did an easy 30-minute swim, and I also had a alert set up on my Garmin watch to let me know every time I finish 400 yards. Well, I was quite surprised how long it was taking me to do 400 yards. And I really believe that the GPS watch just doesn't do a very good job in open water when you're making short loops. I was making very short loops or very short figure eights, but I got in a good open water swim about 30 minutes, and then I hopped off, carried my bike to the road, and had intended on doing about a 30-mile ride, but I cut it a little bit short. It was it was more like 18 miles. I was just feeling a little bit tired, but I did still go to the fitness center and get in my third strength training session of the week. I've been trying to be really diligent with the strength to just set myself up for a healthy rest of the summer and fall. Yeah, I guess I haven't really paid that much attention, but the other day you came out to the pool in your tank top, and I was like, man, look at those biceps. Oh, yeah. And pumping the iron. My man's hot. Okay. Hot. All right, moving right along. (laughs) My running has been improving. I went from 10 by one minute with a minute recovery and then I went to 10 by 1 minute with 45 second recovery and then 30 second recovery and 15 second recovery. And I finally got to running 10 minutes and then I started adding an extra minute to every run. And once I got up to around 15 minutes, I started adding 2 minutes to my run. Anyway, at this point, I'm feeling pretty confident in tracking forward to the Chicago Marathon I'm hoping to be, for my long run, up around three hours. So I'm estimating I need to increase my long run about 10 minutes per week. So right now, that's a little bit more than 10%, but Lord willing, I stay healthy. It will be much less than 10% as I get midway into the marathon cycle. So today's run was 24 minutes. And by the weekend, I'll be at 30 minutes, Lord willing. And then I'm going to Keep my midweek runs at 30 minutes and just add 10 minutes to each run on the weekend. Everything easy at this point because I'm just trying to build a base. 
I'm building the base, easy zone two running, and then the goal being to be able to keep up with you in Chicago. Good luck with that. No. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be great. I haven't decided how I'm going to train for Chicago yet. About five weeks out from the Jack and Jill Marathon out in Snoqualmie, Washington. So I had a pretty long run this past Saturday while you were out swimming and biking and weightlifting. I was trekking up and down a one mile, very gentle grade. So I would go up at a just easy zone two pace and back down at go marathon pace and simulating what Jack and Jill is going to be like. Yes. So Suzanne and I did all eight of these round trips together, which was a total of 16 miles. Her husband, Lee, did the first four with us. Bethany, our daughter, did the third and fourth one with us. And then let's see. The fifth one we did solo, and the sixth one, Stacy, Suzanne's good friend Stacy, met us and did six. I think she did six, seven, and eight with us. She would kind of jump in and jump out some. And then my good friends Kelly and Jennifer did seven and eight with us. So, except for the fifth round trip, we had lots of friends come and make that doable because it can get pretty redundant and monotonous. Obviously it's redundant, but I guess monotonous might be the better word. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Mm -hmm. And then after we did that, we had a one mile cool down, which typically we go in the other direction at that point to not go up the hill again. But Stacy had parked her bicycle midway up the hill. So we got a bonus uphill and downhill. Mm-hmm. to do our cool down overachievers hmm. yeah and then that was saturday and sunday was just an easy six mile run and it was raining but we had decided to use your father's day gift from bethany she gave you and jacob holiday world tickets for the whole family for father's day so we looked at the weather and it looked a little threatening but we decided to brave it And we didn't even get a single raindrop. It was the best day of the summer to be out at the amusement park because it was overcast. It was pleasant temperatures, but but not cold. And the crowd was very small compared to what it has been in the past. So it was a wonderful day at Holiday World. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie was able to walk right onto the rides that she was interested in and then we spent most of the time in the water park where she just wanted to go down this one little bitty sliding board she did that i don't know 50 times maybe (laughs) she did it a bunch over and over again but the one thing i would do differently if we could change anything about the day is there was a tube slide it was a curvy tube water slide so it had water flowing through it and i think everybody took her down it a few times, but she kept wanting to go by herself. So her mom, Shelby and I kind of agreed that we'd let her do that. So I take her up there to the top 
and her mom is at the bottom to catch her. And I was like, are you sure you want to go by yourself? And anyway, it's, it's a pretty long slide for a little two-year-old to go down by themselves. Enclosed. Yeah, so you, I couldn't see her. But as soon as she took off, before the first curve, she had already, like, lost her balance and wasn't sliding down on her bottom. So I was a little bit worried about her getting down that sliding board. And you were actually there. I didn't know it. But you videoed her exiting the sliding board, which I couldn't see because I was at the top. Anyway, as soon as the light turned green, I slid down and her mom had picked her up. And I mean, she was drenched. Like she looked like she had been (laughs) underwater and she was kind of gasping for air. And I thought she was going to start crying. She looked at me, looked at her mom, looked back at me and goes, again? (laughs) (laughs) So I did take the baby up and let her slide again, but she had to go in my lap this time. And I think she was fine with that. Yeah. I went with her after that and... She preferred to be in my lap. Yeah, but she loves water and she loves our swimming pool. It's been a blessing that we were able to put a pool in a few years back. Yeah, just this week, she has gotten comfortable putting her whole head underwater. Yeah, and she does it so much that she'll come up and go, again, again, and I feel like she's just going to pass out. She's doing it so much, but... (laughs) sure she won't i'm sure she won't but she'll step right off the ledge we have to watch her keep an eye on her (laughs) she's a brave one and the other thing that's funny is i think we talked about this a long time ago but when shelby was pregnant with her there was this big you know conversation about well what do you want to be called blah 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 and so we landed on after much debate and Jacob making up all kinds of crazy things that he thought she should call me. We landed on granddaddy for you and grandmom for me. And she's gotten pretty good at saying granddaddy. And she can say grandmom, but when she first started saying my name, instead of saying grandmom, she'd say gra-gra. So now when her mom says, say grandmom, she'll look at me and say grandmom, but it's gra-gra-gra-gra-gra. Like... I think she wants me to be grog girl. She's got her opinions. Yeah. And, I, you know, that baby can call me whatever she wants. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm not sure how we got off on the holiday world. But, oh, I know. This podcast normally comes out on Monday. And I'm just wondering if that's the best day. Because our weekends are packed. Our weekends are when our athletes are competing. And we don't really like to settle on what their upcoming week's going to look like until they've gotten through their weekend. And so we're doing a ton of coaching on the weekends. Sunday is always dedicated at least four or five hours to our kids and Ellie. And our weekends are packed. So if our listeners are accustomed to a Monday release podcast, I mean, we can still shoot for that. But it might be Tuesday or Wednesday before we get it out. But We'll eventually get around to it. Eventually, we will. We will, we will. So yesterday, as I was driving, you were reading a few things to me. And one of the things that really caught my attention was talking about improving running form. And I just wanted to mention 
two of those things. And I know one of the things we've mentioned before on this podcast, and the second one we've talked about, but I've never really thought about doing it with this approach before. So the first thing is, and I think it's a good idea to do this before every run. And I used to do this before every run, but sometimes I do and sometimes I don't now. But that's just kind of the fall forward to get in form. So what you do is you just stand with your feet just a regular distance apart, like hip width or a little narrower, like however you would normally run. But stand with your feet together under your under your center of gravity and just start falling forward, kind of leading with your chin, chest, and hips. Then just start falling forward until you feel like you're going to lose your balance and then catch yourself with by stepping forward. Kind of like the nesty plunge. Forward. forward. Yeah, you go forward. And, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a ankle. You're going to be... Some people probably don't know what the nesty plunge is. <laughs> you can Google it. Anybody can Google the nesty plunge. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just start falling forward. And so it's going to create a little bit of leverage in your ankles there. But then when you feel like you're going to lose your balance, that's what that's what the running motion should feel like. You should always feel like your body's just a little bit aggressive and wanting to go farther and farther. So you got just a little bit of that lean forward in your running. So you don't, and you don't really have to consciously think about it, but I think that drill gets you into the feeling of what running should feel like. But then the second thing that you're reading in that article was talking about cadence. And again, everyone's cadence is a little bit different and it'll vary. If you're super, super short, it might be a little bit faster. Or if your legs are super, super long, it might be a little bit slower. But if you take all the elite athletes and you average what their cadences are, that average comes out to right around 180. So we have some athletes, especially some of our newer runners, that their cadence is just a little bit slower than ideal for improving as a distance runner. And so this article suggested using that field on your watch and making that the only field that's displaying on your watch and just trying to keep it at a certain amount. So for example, if we had an athlete who's averaging a cadence of 150, we may tell them to shoot for 160 165 or if they're averaging 165 we may have them to shoot for 180 so anyway i think after reading that because we've talked with our athletes about cadence and we've suggested listening to music that has that beat and running to that and they could continue to do that but i think seeing that field on the watch just on their easy runs just on the Maybe even just a portion of an easy run have a cadence focus. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And a lot of watches have a metronome built in Mm -hmm. to where you could set it and it's going to beep. And you want to try to time your foot strokes to match the beats. And, And transitioning this to a swimming comparison, you can get a tempo trainer that tucks up in your swim cap and you can time your strokes based on the rhythm of the beats on the tempo trainer going through your temple and work on your swim cadence that way too. Yeah, and especially once you've got your like part A, make sure your balance in the water is great. 
Part B, make sure your catch and pull through the water is great. And then part C, with that catch and pull, you've got to build your fitness and be able to get that cadence up to increase your power through the water. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great idea. So I was looking at some of our athletes' cadence data this week, and I noticed on one of our athletes, and I haven't reached out to see what changed, but... It seems like their watch was measuring their cadence based on one step instead of both steps. And then it changed to where it was measuring both steps. So I'm guessing maybe they got a new watch and got it connected to the technology so that it fed the data into Training Peaks without us even needing to be involved, which was great. Either that or there's different settings. I don't know. Could be. We'll have to find out. But yeah, I think it's a great idea to to focus on cadence. And that kind of leads into something that I want to talk about. Are you ready to move on? I'm ready to move on. All right. So we're in the heat of the summer, although this past few days has been a nice reprieve from the scorching heat that we've had. But in the summer, things are just different in terms of your training and racing and Maybe instead of pace, you focus on cadence, or maybe you focus on RPE, rate of perceived exertion, but you can't really expect your times, your paces, to be comparable when it's super hot than when you have mild temperatures or cooler temperatures. Now, the longer you spend in the heat, you can get some acclimation, and it's you you may get some similar benefits as if you had went and done altitude training. So you get accustomed to the heat or you get accustomed to less oxygen at altitude than when you go to a more favorable environment, you can perform better. But something else to think about in the heat of the summer is focus on shorter goals. If your entire focus is on long distance events, whether that's a full distance triathlon half-distance triathlon or marathon, half-marathon, in the heat of the summer, your paces are going to be a little bit slower. But as you're thinking about your big goals and maybe planning for some fall races, think about what your goal paces need to be for your big race. And then think about, in the summer, shorter distances. How long could I maintain that pace? Can I maintain that pace for a 5K? Or could I maintain that pace on the swim bike run for a a sprint distance if I'm wanting to do it in a full distance later in the year? But long story short, in the summer, it may be a good idea to focus on building your speed in shorter efforts. Because if you don't have that that base speed, it's going to be hard to translate that into fast performances at longer distances. You need a base of training volume, whether that's miles on the run or miles on the bike or miles in the pool. But then you also need to have that top end speed to where your goal pace for your big race feels easy for a short distance. Yeah. And, you know, we're training for a marathon that's going to happen at the end of July, but it's going to happen in a more northern cooler area of our country so we're training sometimes in heat indexes even at the in the mornings the heat index has been 
well over 90. So typically my long runs have been more of a progression run where I might do six or seven miles at marathon pace toward the end of a long run. And instead of doing that, we've been layering in throughout the week and then in the long runs, shorter intervals at marathon goal pace. And so I've done a lot of half mile intervals midweek at goal or just above goal marathon pace. And then of course, a lot of mile on mile off. And part of that's just because of the downhill specific training we're trying to get. But a part of that too is it's easier to get eight or nine miles in at race pace if you're recovering between those miles in the heat. Yeah, and your training doesn't really line up necessarily with what I'm referring to because you're doing a long distance event in the heat of the summer, although you're traveling to a place that should be much cooler temperatures. But if you're training in the heat, and your big goal is in the fall or the winter, then this is a great time to be focusing on strength and speed, maintaining a a good level of volume, but maybe not as much on the long, long tempos. Yeah, well, I'm counting on it being much cooler at the race because if we experience the heat indexes that we've had in the mornings where we're training, I'm going to tell you right now, I will not be maintaining goal pace for 26.2 miles in that heat so well well, the good thing about the jack and jill course is there's a lot of shade Mm -hmm, that's true and that area gets a lot of precipitation Mm -hmm. so again talking about training in the heat you want to make sure that you stay hydrated because if you allow yourself to be if you allow yourself to be dehydrated that's going to increase your heart rate it's going to increase your body temperature you're going to feel thirsty and all of that is going to have a negative impact on your performance and if you have any questions about whether you are hydrated or dehydrated you can pay attention to your urine color when you go to the restroom if it's dark then you may be dehydrated and then you can also weigh before and after training to see if you are losing too much weight. If you lose more than 2% of your body weight, you probably need to do a little bit better job of fueling and hydrating. Yeah, we have one athlete that currently is getting on the scale before and after every run and kind of tracking hydration and seeing what her percentage of body weight change is. So it's really helped her to monitor and think about how much hydration to worry about and she's realizing that on days where the heat index is lower even in the summer she can get away with shorter runs without worrying about carrying hydration yeah so i wanted to talk about some random news nuggets are you ready for that i'm always ready for your random thoughts on the news all right here we are at the end of june it's almost july that may seem quite obvious but the beginning of july is the Tour de France. It is coming. It's just right around the corner. It begins this upcoming Friday, July the 1st, and this is the first year that you and I are going to be participating in Fantasy 
Tour de France. I'm just going to say you probably have a huge advantage in this over me. I probably couldn't even name 10 professional cyclists. Now, I could could name triathletes and I could name runners, but I don't really follow just cycling like you do. So for me, it's going to be, well, do I like their bike? (laughs) No, I'll do some research. Do some research. Well, you have until Friday of this week. Really, you need to do it by before Friday. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Tomorrow's busy, and then Thursday I have baby girl. All right, well, I'm going to get the early lead on you then if you don't submit your team riders by the first stage of the race. I mean, if, if there's a website I can go to and it's just click, click, click. That's on, all it is. Yeah, I can do that, but it will be completely random. And you will have as good of a chance of winning as me. Because the Tour de France is so exciting, so unpredictable. You just don't know <laughs> what is going to happen on any day. No, I you feel... You can crash. No, no, no. You can get a flat. But I feel like you have to know something about the fantasy, the way you get points. Because if I don't pick anybody that is young enough, then I'm not going to get any points for the for the baby boy category or whatever they Youngest call. rider. And that is something that I've noticed that the two Fantasy Tour de France websites that I've looked at, well, the Tour de France in early July is just the men's race. The women's race is a little bit later. So it is just men. But I'm looking forward to it. I have selected my team and then following the news, figured out that Julian Alphilippe is out. He's not competing. So I had to pull him off my team and sub somebody else in. So... You've already started. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh man, I'm getting, I'm getting ready. Oh man. All right, so there's two different websites you can go to, listeners, if you are interested in fantasy Tour de France. You can go to the official Tour de France website, which is letour.fr, or you can go to grandtourfantasy.com. And it looks like to me that grandtourfantasy.com is less involved because you. Just select three separate teams, which kind of divides the race between the rest days. Whereas the official fantasy game of the Tour de France, you pick your team for every stage. Is that what we're doing? I'm doing both. You can just do the other one if you want. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be exciting. (laughs) All right. So moving on to random news. Um, Oh, no. I, I did want to say something else about the tour. So... Starts on Friday, but it starts with an individual time trial, which right out of the gate is going to set the stage for who the GC contenders are going to be, because nobody wants to lose time on the first day. So they're not relying on their team. It's all individual performance on stage one. And then stage two, which is about 120 miles the first stage with the the peloton there is a bridge that appears to be about 11 miles long and it is expected to have heavy crosswinds for 11 miles 20 kilometers i think it was 18 kilometers oh i thought the commentator was saying 20 kilometers yeah they said 20 once they said 18 once so Mm. i'm not really sure of the distance but it's a long way and anytime there's crosswinds there's a good possibility that there will be gaps in the peloton. So by the end of 
stage two, we should have already had quite a bit of excitement. And if you randomly pick riders for your team, you have just as good a chance as me who put a little bit of thought into it. I may just test that theory. Since we hop off this podcast, I'll have you hook me up on the website, and I'm just going to randomly... I'll hook you up. Click, 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 click. All right. If anybody else participates in the Tour de France, uh, reach out to us with your name, and we'll track you, and we'll see how you do compared to us. It'll be fun. All right. Other random news. The pro field for the PTO Canadian Open was announced, and... This is not an Ironman event. It's a PTO event, and it's similar in distance to a half distance. It's a 100-kilometer total with 2K swim, 80K bike, and 18-kilometer run, which is about 1.2-mile swim, 50-mile bike, and 11-mile run. So similar to a half. But there are some big names at the PTO Canadian Open, and the prize money, they claim that there's a million dollars at stake. For the pro field, which is huge. I don't think Ironman events get anywhere close to that. But on the guy side, you got Christian Blumenfeld and you got Gustav Eden, the two Norwegians going head to head. That didn't happen in St. George because uh, Eden got sick. Lionel Sanders is going to be there. Joe Skipper's going to be there. It's a packed, stacked field on the men's side. On the ladies' side. Hey, it- what about our wild card? Sam Long, is he going to be there? Sam Long is not going to be there. I'm going to talk about Sam here in a minute. But on the ladies' side at the PTO Canadian Open, you got Laura Phillip, who just set the second fastest non-draft full-distance time in history. And Taylor Nib, Sky Munch, you got Paula Finlay. It's a stacked field on the ladies' side as well. I may just have to go for Paula Finley. I kind of like that name. You like that name? <laughs> so I'm excited for that. But that's still about a month away. It'll be pretty close to when the Tour de France is over. Hmm. Back-to-back excitement there. You mentioned Sam Long. He has announced that he is not going to Kona in October. That's quite the surprise. He had a Kona slot, but he's decided to compete at Challenge Roth, which is a really fast event. Challenge Roth is where Chrissy Wellington set the ladies full distance fastest time ever. And then Sam Long is going to start focusing on shorter distances. And I'm wondering if that kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier. You need your volume, but you need your speed too. And the way you get your speed is focusing on shorter. But then also in the news, Jan Ferdino coming back from his Achilles injury to compete at Challenge Roth. So that will be exciting to see Sam Long and Jan Ferdino go head-to-head. And hopefully Jan will be at his full potential because uh, otherwise, well, it'll be an interesting battle. And then Ferdino is planning on competing at Kona. All right, moving on with random news. Let's see here. I mentioned Laura Phillip being at the PTO Canadian Open. She commented in a couple of different news feeds. One of the contributing factors to her success when she set the second fastest time ever. She feels like that 
knowing when her menstrual cycle is has a big impact on her race performance. If she is competing in the first half of the cycle, she is at optimal performance. And if it's the second half of the cycle, it's subpar performance. Have you noticed that for yourself or heard that from any of your female friends who compete? Well, there's definitely a lot of research around it. And Dr. Stacy Sims does a lot of research on that. And she has a few books, but the book that I've read called Roar, R-O-A-R, really talks about women and menstruation and how to plan your training periodization, no pun intended, around your menstrual cycle. And then also the benefits of protein and different things like that for women and running. So yeah, there's definitely some science behind that. And then also taking that a step further, she also talks a lot about women as they get older and start becoming paramenopausal, menopausal and postmenopausal, and how that affects performance. And then the nutrition around supporting athletes in those various stages. So yep, a lot of research around that. And I think it's a lot more important when you're either an elite athlete or you could be an amateur age group or whatever that's just really trying to get at peak performance. But I would say for women who are beginning athletes or recreational athletes, that it probably makes a little bit less impact, if that makes sense. But there are definitely some changes in performance depending on where you are in that cycle if you're still at that age. All right, the last thing in random news that I wanted to talk about was several years ago, we traveled to see a Christian comedian by the name of John Christ. Do you remember that? I thought you and Bethany went. Did I go to that? I don't know. Maybe you didn't. But yes, Bethany and I certainly did go. I thought you went too. But our daughter Bethany introduced us to this person. Not, We didn't actually meet the person, but she told us about him and how much she had enjoyed his comedy. And so we had the opportunity to go to one of his performances. He has, had taken some time off of being a comedian to work on some personal matters, but he is back and he has posted a YouTube video of his comedy routine and it's good clean humor and in a lot of cases he is a Christian making fun of being a Christian. But this particular comedy routine is called What Are We Doing? I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. You want to watch that with me? I could do that. Be a good laugh. So that was all that I had in the random news nugget category. So what Bible verse is on your mind this evening? The scripture I picked out ties in with the idea of humor and comedy. It is from Proverbs 17. It's verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And other translations say Laughter is a good medicine. I had some pretty good medicine on Sunday then because I know you know this, but Jacob and I kind of like to have a little friendly competition going on and we kind of like to one-up each other. And one of the things I 
have prided myself on over the years is my ability to go quickly down the jungle racer in Holiday World, which is like a, a giant carnival slide, only it's a water slide. So you get a mat and they line you all up and say go. And I've really been undefeated, but I haven't done this water slide in years. So I was teasing him, telling him I was going to beat him. Well, he and Bethany sneak off and he gets a practice run. Mm. So I was a little nervous. A simulation. Yes. Mm. I was a little nervous because the last time I went down that slide was to race him. And I pushed off as hard as I could off the little ledge. And I mean, I went airborne so high that I wasn't even sure I was going to land back in my lane. Like, I thought I was going to either land in the lane next to me or on the divider between the lanes. And so... Are you just a little competitive? Um, very competitive against Jacob for some reason. He just brings that out of me. So anyway, I was a little tentative in the push-off. And I think I even jumped the gun a little bit. But he creamed me. He He beat me. So I'm no longer undefeated. On the Jungle Racer. Well, I made it up for you in the new water coaster at Holiday World, the Cheetah Chase. Me and Bethany were in one of the toboggans, and Jacob and Shelby were in the other. And we had already determined we were going to race, which there's nothing that we could do (laughs) in the float, but we ended up winning, me and Bethany. Yeah, but what's that do for me? I mean, I'm happy for you, but... Jacob still got me on the jungle racer. <laughs> You're going to have to practice, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I I probably won't ever do what I did. I mean, I lost, but I safely went down the jungle racer. And I got just a tiny bit airborne, which I'm good with. But, yeah. He Safety beat first. Me. He beat me. Good job, Jacob. <laughs> Congratulations, son. <laughs> At RYR Endurance Team... We specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.